0: Hey there, and welcome back to On Thriving, Astrology and More. I'm your host, Taylor Schuler. This is yet another, yes, another uh, throwback from the 2022 archives. This episode is with Lori Riesing. Lori is a fear culture destroyer, trauma-informed healing artist, intuitive medium, and more. Lori hosts retreats and has the soul-hitting podcast, The Raw and Wild Hearts, and creates digital courses and meditations for ascension, alignment, and evolution. Lori is actually the very first person that I talked to at all when I was starting this podcast. So I put out a call to some folks I was in community with, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. It's sort of about this thing where we talk about the worst part of your whole life, and then Uh, We look at it in the chart and then I read your chart and then you tell people how your journey and what you do now, because you found this thing through one of the hardest parts of your life, that journey, how that makes the world a better place. I want to hear your story. And Lori was like, yes, please. Let me be first. I'm here. And so I had all these exploratory conversations that I didn't record with people because i was super nervous about starting this podcast and getting on camera. You might relate if you're in that space now too. Uh, And Lori was and has been and is so gracious and deep, soulful, just a really powerful, phenomenal person. And um I think I I there's nothing even more that I can say. You just will see for yourself uh and hear as you watch and listen to this episode. So just want to thank Lori for being Amazing, being awesome. And I hope that you connect with Lori. uh, If you feel so called, but definitely check out the podcast, The Wrong Wild Hearts. All right, here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with Lori Rising. We're going to have an awesome conversation. Lori's amazing. I'll tell you a little bit about her and then we'll jump into our conversation. So, Lori Rising is an intuitive medium who finds the magic as the founder of the Raw and Wild Hearts podcast, Awakening Your Fire Within Retreats and Beginning Within Therapy. She's been in therapeutic practice since 2001 as a trauma-informed healing artist, transpersonal hypnotherapist, and soul-led entrepreneur. Lori's offerings include her soul-hitting podcast, The Raw and Wild Hearts, all-inclusive destination retreats, digital downloads and courses, new and full moon gatherings, energy and shadow work, intuitive medium readings, epigenetics, childbirth mentoring, and destroying this programmed culture of fear. As a meditation guide and ritual facilitator, she moves people into the inherent truth that we all came here with. She lives in and works with our elemental nature, the astral support system, body consciousness, cellular wisdom, ancient knowledge, and the divinity within that is your birthright. You can find her under the magic of the sun and the moon, living in and with nature, stoking your passion over Instagram, riding waves of the ocean or the peace of the lakes, working on her converted van home and learning from her special needs animal sidekick every single day. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you for being with us.
1: Ah, thank you so much, Taylor. I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be an amazing exchange.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I love your podcast, love your website, love all of the offerings that you have to give to the world. And so I'm just wondering, can you tell us, for those who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about your journey, uh, your journey to lead you to find these amazing healing modalities that like led to your van life. I think you're in your van right now. It's so awesome. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, just how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, we can definitely talk about Chiron in that situation. (laughs) My son and Chiron are conjunct and I have definitely led a wounded healer life. And so I am a product of my experiences. Everything that I offer, I have went through very deeply. And that is especially why I'm an embodiment guide, because I have lived my life so cellularly through my experience that um, as I have transformed my own trauma, wounds, karma, I have navigated them in such high spirits and realms that I can then share it with the collective in very different ways and really profound ways. And um, it's funny because as an entrepreneur, we learn to like niche down And I just can't. (laughs) I have so much Aries in my chart. And, you know, I'm definitely an Aries stellium and so much fire and passion that I refuse to play by any rules really is what it comes down to and so i keep my offers vast and wide for the collective and for people for the ones that you know really are looking for the medicine that i have discovered in my own path and purpose and i share them far and wide is what it really comes down to
0: <laughs> i love it i love it and you know we we have some things in common i hinted at this when we were chatting before before we hit record Uh, But that Aries energy and the the day that we're recording happens to be the day that Jupiter moves into Aries and we both have Jupiter and Aries. So we're both entering a Jupiter return, which is a beautiful time. And you know what it is? It's like, can't niche down, can't choose one thing. Got to go, got to embody it, got to help the world, got to do big things and take no prisoners. Like we're coming, we're coming through, we're blazing the trail,
1: right? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that's why I call myself a fear culture destroyer. You know, I've went through different words like dismantle and disrupt. And I'm like, no, it's destroy because that is how we are here to live this, this one life in this physical vessel, right? Whether you believe in parallel lives or not, but this is our one time in this body, in this experience. And I say like, we go for it. Why not? And I get so I get so tired of this culture repressing us and keeping us small and keeping us in our limitations for their own good. And when I say they, you know, it's like whatever you want to look at consumerism or capitalism or greed or, you know, dark forces out there. I don't know, but I'm just saying like it's time for us to rise and shine and be in our full emanation of light and love frequency and living honestly the divinity and magic that we were made to be in. Like we are meant to create and produce miracles on the reg. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I mean, no, no doubt about it. And I I just, I love this thread of, you know, I hear you, you connecting to nature with the sun and the moon and the lakes. And then this other thread about facing our fears, got one life to live and why waste it? You know, we, we do go through things. We experience things that are really hard and terrible, and we wish we, we hadn't. And at the same time, sometimes it can wake us up to the beauty of what we do have the beauty of it all. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And what's interesting about that with nature for me, um, I came in, I was adopted when I was a baby. And so I was separated from my lineage and from like the very deep healer, um, mother lineage that I've, you know, female lineage that has went through in my ancestry. And I was raised in a a culture that really didn't vibrate with who i was at my core like who i came in as i was raised in a small town very conservative town in the middle of the country in iowa and so i didn't have reference for like the witchiness in me i didn't have reference for the magic that kept trying to come through because the religion around me was so repressive and kept telling me that i was too much right and so it was it was this really difficult place to be in as such a a big spirit and a creation energy as a child that I just, um, I like diverted into nature. That was the only reference I had for who I was and for how deeply I felt and how energetically and spiritually powerful I was. I vibrated with nature because I didn't vibrate with what was placed. Around me, with that the heavy religion and the more conservative values, um, you know, the morality of where I was was amazing. Right, I definitely took that in in very deep ways. And um, there's no judging, only loving here for everyone in their experience. But you, if you met my biological mother, which I did when I was 19. I finally stopped trying to leave the earth because I had been trying to leave the earth, not because I didn't have a great family. I had a wonderful childhood, a fantastic family and parents, but I didn't have a reference for who I was at a very deep spiritual level. And when I met her, it created such a healing in that wound, in that lineage wound that happened when we got separated that I was like, oh my gosh. There, I see where I'm from. I see who I am. Like, I see myself in somebody else. And also, you know, she is a very deep healer in her own right and was very into tarot and astrology and readings. And so then it's like I blasted off at 19 when I had that connection that I had been missing. It was a deep abandonment wound um, for those first 19 years of my life. Wow. That's
0: really hard and
1: amazing that
0: you got to make that connection.
1: Well, and I believe that, you know, my parents who, uh, you know, chose me, who, who I came into, there was divine work at hand there because they literally made nature an absolute part of our existence in our childhood like everything we did was outside and so that i feel like was my lifeblood and that's how i've related to my entire experience growing into this this person in this body and this unfolding is understanding that i am nature it was like it was almost like my sibling, right? If you can think of it that way, it was like such a deep connection for me. Like the animals were, and the nature was, and, um, just the, the meditation that I went through as a child, not knowing it was meditation because I needed to be in that stillness because it was my reference. It was like, how important representation is. We know that. Well, I hope we know that. We're definitely figuring that out. And it was like nature was my representation of the deep spirituality that I came in with. Wow.
0: That's so beautiful. And, um, and while you're talking, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm looking at your face and I'm also like seeing your chart and see your story play out in your chart. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but um, just want to let you know, if my, my eyes are darting around a little bit, I'm like, wow, the connections here. It's so interesting. (laughs) Um, So, so tell me a little bit about uh, the healing modalities that you offer that, and that you practice, how did you find them? What are they, who should use them? why should people learn about them?
1: Yeah. So, um, like I said, nature was definitely a big part of, of it was my religion. Right. And I always, I kind of knew about astrology, but again, small town that, you know, had some fear around anything that was spiritual and it wasn't contained in that box of organized religion. And when I, my mom took me to get a massage for the first time when I was 16, And that bodywork session was the first time that I went into very deep states of ascension. And I started to understand more of where I could go in this physical experience in my multidimensional state. And so that really became, I'm here to serve. Like if you look at my chart, you're going to see like that is what I came in to do is to serve and to heal in this, heal myself and heal the collective in this lifetime. And, um, excuse me, that little animal sidekick, she likes to come up when I'm talking. And then, so the body work became such an essential part of my existence and experience because it took me into such higher consciousness states where I, that was my education, right? So as an intuitive medium, that was the education that took me there. And so that really guided me into this entire unfolding and world of what we have available, because I came in knowing about the divinity. I knew that we were divine. I knew we could produce miracles. Yet I was sitting here in a church that was telling me otherwise, and that was repressing all of that expansive creation energy and knowledge that I had. And that is when I realized, like, this fear culture is bullshit. I realized that when I was a kid, you know, it's like I came in with that knowledge. And so that's always been in my trajectory. That's always been a part of my path. And so when I decided I got my degree in psychology And I decided to go a different route with it into the body realm, into the embodiment, because it was through that embodiment of those massages that I created such or I dropped into such a deeper divine connection. And so over time, I went to massage school and then I became um, an advanced myofascial release practitioner with John Barnes. And that changed everything. That is the cellular embodiment. That is where we actually uncover the divinity within ourselves. That is where whatever you want to talk about it as, the Akashic records, the known realm, the quantum field is literally like our cells are the conduit to it. And I found that out through the myofascial release where we go through emotional and physical unwindings of traumas in our lives. And again, if that resonates with you in our parallel lives, in this life, in our lineage, in our epigenetics, in, um, you know, ancestral trauma that is stored within ourselves. And so that just really took me very deeply. I just kept going more and more. Like I said, my, ex- I'm a product of my experience. And as I went through my own personal wounding, I knew how available it is to transform that trauma, how, no matter how deep it is. And I went deep. I didn't just have a dark night of the soul, I had a dark decade of the soul. And that was my North Star, that was my guiding light, knowing that we can have, we can transform trauma within ourselves in order to rediscover or reignite that divinity and light within ourselves and to ascend even higher in these physical bodies. And so very long answer to probably a shorter, <laughs> shorter question is that I'm a trauma-informed healing artist. Um I've retired from specific body work, but I do in-person retreats where I I guide people into these states of um body unwindings of releasing the traumas that your body has taken on. Our body stores all of the knowledge of everywhere that we've been. It's incredible, right? And so when we've been working on living in this linear mind control where we control our bodies, we control our lives, we control every facet of whatever we do, that's actually created so much more efforting in our lives and dis-ease and stagnation and resistance. We've normalized resistance in our life and we have Limit our limited ourselves unbelievably because we have so much potential and majesty within our bodies. Once we start moving into states of fluidity and flow, so um, like I said, I'm an intuitive medium. I offer readings. I have digital courses where I take people through my entire life of like what I've accumulated in my knowledge that I'm sharing with people as a meditation guide, as a ritual facilitator as a transpersonal hypnotherapist, as an astrology enthusiast, as a trauma-informed healing artist, as a pelvic bowl therapist. So as you can see, there's like, you know, when you've got Chiron conjuncting your son, like you're going to go through it and um, you've got plenty of time to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for those who might not be familiar with Chiron, Chiron is an asteroid. It's not um, It's not a planet. Right. And so, um, we might not hear about Chiron and people might be like, well, why are you talking about this Chiron thing? I thought, you know, I know there's Pluto and Neptune, but what's this Chiron thing. And, um, So, but Chiron's story is that he was a centaur and he was the wounded healer. He got shot with an arrow and he was poisoned for a long time. The wound just festered and festered and he lived for 900 years. His wife, Cheriklo, took good care of him. Um, But because that wound festered for so long, he had to learn how to become a healer to heal himself. And he had to get over some wounds he had from his childhood also of, uh, in his childhood, being um, being a- abandoned by his biological uh, parent and having to be raised by someone else as well. And so it's really interesting that the, the similarities that you have and how it shows up in your chart. But I just wanted to, to pause there and just say that for those who might be like, what is this Chiron thing they're talking about? And so what we see with Chiron, he lived for 900 years. We don't live quite that long as humans, but... Um, Every 53 or so years, Chiron returns to the same point in the, in the sky that it was when you were born. And so around that age, we kind of, uh, it's one of the three things that sort of usher us into our elderhood um, and initiate us in, into that. And so we can see this story of how we have to tend to our own wounds. And because of what we learn through that, we can then help other people. And so people with prominent chirons are often great healers and great teachers. And uh, when we pull up your chart, you'll see how that shows up so prominently for Lori. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, there's just so much there. There's the nature, there's the healing. You did say that you went through a dark night uh, of the decade. And I think it's just important to bring up for folks, you know, you might be going through something and, Uh, sometimes when people say it gets better, it just sounds like lip service and I don't want to, you know, bring in any toxic positivity because when you're in it, it hurts and it sucks. And sometimes it feels like it's not going to end, but it's good to hear that, you know, you've had this experience where it was like a decade for you. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like things got better. And there was a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Would you say that's what your experience has been like? Absolutely. Now. Um, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel for many, many years. And um, I just really, I, I'm grateful that I'm here and that I'm here to experience the transformation. Like I said, I kept that true north of knowing what was available in order to heal. But I'll admit there were times that I thought that I had permanently changed and that I would be permanently "Quote unquote," damaged. Like that's what I felt like. I felt like a different person in this body. I felt it was a. It was an extreme death of myself, and it took many years to move through it. I mean, I I, I was thinking about that this morning, and I was thinking, I remember where I thought. Well, this, this is how I'm going to be until I leave this earth, and I had, I had like come to this acceptance that I was going to be in this place of. Kind of seething anger, almost like there was a constant hatred with within my experience that I was going through. And I mean, I'll just preface it, preface, preface it to let you know, my daughter was stillborn. And um, if we start looking at the the infinite light that we are, and I wanted to say we we don't live for nine hundred years in these bodies. But again, we, and this is my belief, is that we are infinite light bodies that came in. We chose this journey. We chose this physical form. And, you know, there's, it's sometimes hard to hear that too, when you're like, oh, we chose this for ourselves because there's so much suffering and pain in this world. And it goes a lot deeper than just the surface of like, we chose it. And I think that there's there's an ease and a grace with that when you have moved through the depths of the dark and the shadow and the pain, and you've come out on the other side. And I'll just say, this is why I love astrology because the energies do move, they do fluctuate. And the more that we understand that that something will shift. And, you know, we are fluid and flowing beings, but we've learned these states of stagnation and resistance that, um, you know, reaching out and continuing to look for those modalities or those people or those mentors that really resonate with your soul, even in those darkest of times. Those are the little ahas or the enlightened moments that will start to shift the energy. And you you know, will start to, to get more presence in order to participate in your own journey, even if you can't at that time. And that's the beauty of us all sharing our own personal journeys because we're at different times. We're at different levels. We come in in different states of ascension and being. And then we get to share that with each other. That's what we came in to do. We came in to be a collective, you know, to hold each other up and hold each other in our light when there's no light that they can see. And there was no light that I could see for a very long time. And there were some special angels that came along during that time that did not fear my shadow and my dark. And I'm eternally forever grateful for them. And I'm, a, I'm forever grateful for me for holding on to the knowledge that um, eventually I, you know, I had to dig deep in order to create those changes. And I had to really want it even when I didn't know how I was going to get there, you know, and that's where, you know, when we start to understand our soul's calling, even if you start to feel it but you're in a place in your life that's nowhere near what you feel you, you should, where you like resonate with in your soul, hold that, hold that in your, in your North star, hold that in your light and know that like we are timeless. We're ageless, you know, and you take one step forward and you're going to get there eventually you will and reach out to the people that, that resonate with you on that journey. Yeah. Wow. You've said so much uh, that's important
0: and true, Uh, especially about, um, you know, we we don't live for 900 years and, and in this body, but we definitely move on. And I've been having a lot of downloads recently about that, like how we really do live at multiple times. You know, when they say, you hear people say things, for example, like, you know, the same person came back to me, but it's a different person. Like I, I had to learn the lesson again because, you know, a guy came into my life or, you know, the, the boss came into my life and it's the same boss, but in a different body, totally different person didn't know the last one. It's like, there's really something to be said for parallel lives and, and multiple lives. And also about, you know, we chose this. I mean, I, I do think to a certain extent, we did choose the energies. Our souls said, hey, let's try this energy. And part of my intuitive knowing is that our souls kind of forget in between. And they're like, oh, it's bliss over here. Like this chart looks great. Let's go with that one. Why not have Mars and Pisces in the 12th or whatever it is like, um, sounds like fun and then we get here and i i also think that there is a certain degree of free will too you know we do have these energies to work with but we have the ability to make choices within those energies that are available to us and once we know what energies flow more easily and which are more challenging that's when our free will really kicks in and so you feel this i i I notice this resistance sometimes with astrology that people say well, I don't, I don't want to be interested in astrology or anything like that, any divination because, well, you know, I, I have free will in this life. And it's like, you absolutely do. And actually, if you lean into the astrology and you know what you can do with it, you can make more informed choices to, to leverage that and understand yourself better. And so that's one thing I, I really love about it. And so uh, you've given us so much good information. I'm wondering, um, I'd love to dive into your chart now, if that works for you.
1: Well, I would just like to say it allows us to make more evolutionary choices because it's quantum leaping when we co-create with a universe with the, so we have a celestial imprint and then, you know, there's the the universe moves around, the planets move around. And when we can co-create with those energies, it actually creates quantum moves and changes in our lives. Like we can, we're made to shift and transform in minutes, in seconds, but yet in the resistance culture that we've been in, it has made us believe that like transformation is so much work and it takes so long. And, you know, you have to go A plus B equals C when we can really be going X to F to to D, right? Like we were spiral, we're not linear and we have been put in these linear boxes. And so we're, we're actually working to dismantle these constructs that have been placed around us. And when we get through those, we actually realize that we are quantum. We are spiral. Possibilities come in from everywhere at any point. Every day when you go to sleep at night is the death of that day. Every morning is the rebirth of the next day. And anything can happen in that day. And so I just want to say that like the universe is a benevolent universe that is always trying to co-create with us in our highest good. And we get in our way most of the time because Mm -hmm. of the culture that has raised us in these places of scarcity, of limitation, of lack, right? To sell us something. And so that's important to realize the power that we have. Yes, of course we have free will. And unfortunately our free will has been keeping us in a place of resistance, for far too long. And so when you start to look at it in those co-creation energies, when you start to look at nature sending you messages and signals, instead of just, you know, a book, (laughs) you know, something linear telling you how to do something or some expert telling you how to do it, like all of the knowledge is within your cells. And the more that you uncover that, the more everything becomes more available and easeful in your life even with the chaos even with the shadow even with the dark the human journey is a journey of trauma of wounding of growth of acceleration like that the emotional landscape that we have it's for a reason this is part of the human journey and it's very different than what intelligent life experiences. They experience pure consciousness. And we have such a bigger task when we're going through the ego, you know, the ego connection and correlation that we put on everything, the conditions that we put on everything. So when we wake up every day in that rebirth and we choose to be intentional and we choose to be in our practice, we choose to witness and hold our shadow and transform it, like congrats. Congratulations. Kudos to you because this is a big ass job. It is. You said it so beautifully. And, you know, I just realized, I
0: think before I I forgot to say, I'm so sorry for all that you've been through. It's, I, I can't imagine. And, um, and thank you for sharing that with us because the grief that comes from it, the transformation that comes from it obviously has, um, has imbued you with this beautiful power and this beautiful healing ability and uh so i just thank you for for sharing that with us because i'm sure there's some folks out there who may be going through something similar and um it's helpful to know that they're not alone
1: yeah so, absolutely yeah you're welcome so, i'm ha- go ahead oh no go ahead sorry I was just going to say, I'm, I'm happy to share that journey and I'm so happy to be here at, you know, where I'm at with it now with the reverence that I have for my relationship with my daughter and my other children who grew wings, you know, and, um, it's an ongoing journey and it's never, we're never finite. That's the thing. It's not like we heal from something and then we never touch it again. Like this is an evolution that we're in. And so, I just love that I get to have this beautiful space with her and with, you know, everything that I quote unquote lost in my life that I didn't really lose it really transformed and it evolved into something that this culture doesn't revere. And so the more that we actually look at our cultural constraints around us and how we can get so much more expansive in it, right? Like How special that I get to have this relationship with a beautiful light being. And she chose to, you know, I mean, she chose, we chose this, this, when I got, when I came into my um, full realization of this through my astral travel, like we did choose this before we came into these physical bodies. And when you get to, when, if you get to witness that, if you get to hold that space in your heart It's so beautiful, but yet we have a culture that fears that kind of majesty, like that kind of evolutionary understanding, because we need the black and white. We need the science. We need to see it in front of our face and how limited that keeps us. And it keeps us in so much pain within ourselves. And so I just love that I've been able to break free from that and be in like the full knowledge and understanding of of where we've been, why we've been, and what we've been doing with it, like with my family. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You, you have so much depth and so much wisdom within you. I just, it's like, I want to talk to you for 10 hours at least to just like pull on all of these threads, like the astral (laughs) traveling and the, it's like, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, but I'm guessing folks can can check out your podcast too. And I'm sure you talk about a lot of it on there. And um, so I'm glad that folks will get to meet you here and, and learn more about you. So I'm gonna go ahead and share your chart because I'm just like, my mind is exploding right now with, with all of the connections. Um, all right, so we've got Lori Rising, April 15th, 1975, for those who might be listening on the podcast, 628 a.m. in Sioux City, Iowa. The chart has um, uh, Aries rising around uh, 15 degrees with Jupiter in the 12th house, I'm using a Reggio Montanus for a house system. So Jupiter and Aries at six degrees in the 12th house. And then we've got Mercury, Chiron, and the Sun all between 21 and 24 degrees of Aries uh, just below the ascendant that we're rising uh, for anyone who wants to pull up the chart. And so we see a lot here. And the first thing that came to mind, just backtracking to your story, you were talking about You know, there was a separation at birth and I did talk about that Chiron, which is this uh, this green K that looks sort of like a key. That's Chiron being so close to the ascendant. The ascendant is whatever's rising over the eastern horizon, the moment uh, at whatever moment in time, in this case, the moment of Lori's birth and it's also, we interpret it as our personality, how we show up in the world, how other people see us. And so when other people see Lori, it's like, hey, you are the, uh, this Aries, you're, you're pretty fiery. There's some other things in your chart that suggest you've got a lot of fire going on, um, but you definitely have an Aries signature, no matter which way you, you splice it. You've got the sun there, you've got a stacked first house, but also when you have the sun in the first house, it's like, first of all, this is someone who's a leader. And you get what you you know what you see is what you get with Lori. You know she's she's upfront. She talks like she acts like she shows up in the world, and it's just beautiful. There's this deep authenticity there and integrity in who she is. Um, she's a, a go getter and a self starter and someone who's ready to take action and change the world. But back to the Chiron, you know we we see that right on the ascendant, and so that's why I'm talking about the ascendant. It's it's how we show up, and so. There is this story, like Chiron, who um, wasn't raised by his birth parents and had a a wounding time in life and has used that energy in order to help others. But we can also see that there was a separation early on in the 12th house. The 12th house often represents the pregnancy of the mother. I also like to think of it as like the pregnancy of our lives in in some ways, like the, the times when we're growing rapidly in life. Uh, is how I like to look at the 12th house. Um, But there was this Mars energy and Mars is kind of like cutting and separating energy where it's, you know, being perhaps taken away from the mother after pregnancy and that being a really difficult thing, uh, having Mars in the 12th house. And uh, so we see a couple of signatures there of just this, this story in the early life And I'm curious if you have any reactions to what I'm saying so far, Lori.
1: Um, You know, I resonate
0: with you or do you see it kind of differently?
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting because there are, there's very, very deep wounding and karma that my biological mother and I are going through in this lifetime. And I think that it's, uh, it's been going on for (laughs) many lifetimes for us. And This is a time for us to come to good states of healing, which I think a lot of us are with karmic wounds, especially as we move into the age of Aquarius. I feel like that's a big boost for us right now.
0: All right. So we are going to jump into uh, the chart and kind of see how this story has played out and if anyone else is curious to see, you know, what they might have in common or how they might interpret some aspects in their chart, this is why we do it really to to help people understand the beauty of astrology and how it can can help us find our way forward. So bring up this chart, it's pretty awesome. And so here we've got uh, uh, about 15 degrees Aries rising, as we were saying before we've got this beautiful story of the wounded healer Chiron which is the uh, this green key here and so there was that story of um, someone who was not raised by the birth parents perhaps that's certainly not the story with everyone with Chiron everyone has Chiron in their chart not everyone has this story um, it is made more personal and for this chart being so close to the ascendant which is how we show up in the world and how other people see us and our personality and how things are shaped. And we also see the sun here and mercury here. So it's like a leader, someone who what you see is what you get. They say what's on their mind, what they say is really aligned with who they are and what they do in their actions. And Jupiter there too, another signature of a leader and a teacher and a healer. Uh, all in Aries, someone who's really fiery and is ready to go get them, ready to, to do what it takes. And we see that Chiron story, though, echoed again, because sometimes in the 12th house, we we see pregnancy. We see what happened when we were in the womb. And then we can also see that later in life when we're being asked to grow. It's like the, the pregnancy parts of our lives when when we are again, sort of like incubating into something new, incubating into our next evolution of something. And so we see uh, Jupiter kind of bringing an emphasis to this part. And then Mars in the sign of Pisces, Mars uh, is the archetype of taking action, of being Uh, And Pisces, a spiritual warrior in so many ways that it sounds like uh, you might be Lori, And also uh, it can be sort of a separation or like a a cutting away of, of something. And um, and so you did say, you know, you're, you're separated from your mother um, after birth. And so just wanted to to talk about that a little bit there and uh, check in with you now and see if you have any Reactions to what I'm saying, you know, any different interpretations and in how you've experienced things in your life from just this part.
1: Yeah, no, that's all pretty much on par. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And
0: you know, it's it's interesting because it's like, oh, do I do the the chart reading first or the the people telling their story thing first? And um you know, I know there are skeptics who are like, well, you know, does astrology work? And, you know, but the point is, if you're here and you're listening, hopefully you already like astrology and you're interested in it and you're just hoping to learn more. And so this is really serves to help you see some of this story. If you have similarities in your chart and you want to talk about it more. Um, So we also see, uh, Laurie's been talking about spirituality a lot and with spirituality we look at pisces we look at that sign but we also look at neptune and so we've got neptune here at the top of the chart in the sign of sagittarius which is a sign that likes to teach that likes to learn that likes to get out in the world and have experiences and it's close there to this north node and i like to think of the north node it's where eclipses happen in the sky but i like to think of it as where our soul is wanting to evolve and grow towards in this life. And, and the thing that's not so easy for us to do, but we kind of need to do some of that in this lifetime. And it's in the eighth house, which is not the easiest place to be. Um, and it's not the easiest place to be because of, um, you know, from a theoretical standpoint, It's not easily seen from the ascendant due to the geometric angle. It's called a a dark house because it's it's hard to see. But in the eighth house, it's at this beautiful transition point. It's where the, the sky starts to fade at the end of the day. When the sun gets to the eighth house, you're like, okay, it's afternoon. Sun is setting. I can really feel a shift in the energy of the day. And it's like that because it's the place where things transform. The day transforms. Our life transforms. And so we see a lot of that stuff happen. And what kinds of things transform us? Well, other people is one of them, but also grief. Uh, Grief can be really transformative. And so we can see here that, that through this grief, through the transformation, spirituality was brought in, this understanding of there are other realms, there are other ways, we are cosmic beings, we have multiple lifetimes, and ultimately, the eighth house is really our superpower. It's if we can tap into the eighth house energy, our power in this lifetime or others is really unlimited. And so I think it's really beautiful uh, to see that. And also see the tie in again to the, the Mars and Pisces in the 12th house over here, where it's we've got someone who can really tap into the collective unconscious. We've got someone who knows how to take action on tapping into the zeitgeist, the feeling of the time that really the energy of, of the moment and make something out of it and move forward with it. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all, again, it's just, (laughs) it's all there. And I also want to say, you know, for people that are skeptics of astrology, this is this is a cultural constraint that we've learned. It's a conditioning and programming of resistance to what is unseen, right? To what we don't have right in front of us that has kept us in like dire limitation. And I love that there was an astrologer once that said, I'm not here to convince anyone. You know, this is an ancient science. It's pretty amazing. And it has greatly helped people that have resonated with it. But if it's your journey, to resist something, it's not necessarily something that you need to push yourself into. You know, we, as you evolve and open up and as you peel back layers, especially of trauma, your cells will resonate with the nature and with the planetary movements and energies. And that's why I think astrology is exploding right now because people are coming online in a way that they never have before through their embodiment of. Our experience here. And um, I know you're talking about the North Node there. I just want to say, because I don't know if we're going to get to the South Node, because I really believe in looking at the North and South nodes. I think it's a really important um, experience and energy that we are inhabiting through this journey in our human lives. And what I find really fascinating is my South Node is in Gemini. And my mother's, my biological mother's, um, sun sign is Gemini. And that has just always like struck me that, you know, I'm moving away from that energy from that Gemini energy. And yet my moon is in Gemini and my Venus is in Gemini. So I've really had a Gemini struggle through this lifetime that I'm still unraveling and really, um, opening up to, to the full girth of it and the full potential of what is there, even it in its like difficulty that, that I have perceived with that Gemini energy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you for saying that. Um, I think the North and South node both have their difficulties and both have their wonderful things about them as well. Um, The South Node, it it is where we came from. Some people like to think of it as past lives. Some people think of it as early in this life. Some people think of it as like a draining energy and other people can see that we actually have a lot of gifts that come from the South Node. And you talked before about how your your biological mother had some of these uh, divinatory interests and gifts as well, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And so that's really beautiful. And so, yeah, the south node is like where we're coming from, what we need to leave behind, but there's also some gold there that we need to take in order to move forward to that north node. And I think that's really important. So we see that south node in Gemini in this house system, it's a second house, it's the third sign. Uh, so we've got uh second house is like the resources that we have. Um, you know, If you want to say third sign, third house, it would be like Um, possibly our neighbors, our siblings, our communication. And so those are some of the the topics that might come up. Um, We've got Venus that represents how we relate to one another and important women in our lives. And then the moon, which represents our emotions, our physical bodies, and also our mothers and what kinds of mothers we could be. And it could be both either none, you know, pick the one that applies to you, but I can't help, but see that really that just as you said it, Lori, um, sort of moving away from that mother, that South node moon, that leaving behind the mother, but also that energy pulling you back to the mother. The fact that you actually found her is like, I mean, not everyone has that experience. It can, you know, but I think that's amazing that you were able to come back and then pull the gold out of it, pull that really beautiful, um, knowledge and energy that you that needed that you needed um out of that relationship and and that meeting.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean absolutely that was divinely orchestrated because I honestly don't know that I would still be here on the earth if I hadn't met her. Um our our spiritual connection is so profound and so big. And when something gets separated not of its own volition or not of its own choice there is the deepest wound that comes along with that, that, um, you know, I feel like, especially for us, the only healing to that was actually coming back together at some point to feel whole again. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so I'll, I'll just shift for a moment too, because I I know I was talking about like the grief and the transformation and the healing and we've talked about your mother a little bit. And so I think another thing that's really interesting, you know, we're talking about the work that you do too now. And so we see work in a couple different places in the chart. Uh, One of them, the work that we're known for in the world would be up at the top of the chart in the 10th house. And so we're looking at the sign of Capricorn in the 10th house and I look to the planet that's in charge of that. And the planet that's in charge of that is Saturn, which is in the opposite uh, place in this chart. In the fourth house, it's at the bottom of the chart. It's very rooted and very grounded and speaks to our ancestral roots and where we come from. And so Saturn is the work that we do in the world. And for you, it's doubly so because it rules your 10th house of career. And it's so interesting that it's in the sign of cancer. Cancer is the mother. Cancer is the nurturer. It's how we nourish and nurture ourselves. And that you have this story with the mother that was difficult and took a long time. Saturn takes a long time. You have to put a lot of work into it. Um, And and it's not the easiest thing in the world. But when you have some structure there, Saturn really does support us in, in many ways. And we come from a society that's very patriarchal. Um, that's very, um, you know, put people in boxes. I think you might've said before, like, you know, very boxy and this is how things should be. And cancer is the water. It goes with the flow. It, uh, you know, it's the matriarchy, not the patriarchy. And so I love to see Saturn and cancer because it really flips the world as we have it today on its head and says, maybe we could see a different world. And so I see that in your Mars and Pisces where, you know, Mars kind of likes to be in Aries and be the warrior. We don't see a whole lot of spiritual warriors. Like we don't really know what that is. And we don't see a lot of like, you know, Saturn, like um, Saturn can be sort of like the the government official, like government doesn't care for us. (laughs) Not, Not in the US, not today, not to get too political about it, but like, it's not exactly like, here's some structure to actually support and nurture you, right? But what if it was? What if we did have that Saturn and Cancer energy? And you've just spoken it so beautifully in our conversation so far of like, why don't we just like kind of turn things on its head, do things differently, radical care. And the final thing is just, you've got Uranus, which is this divine inspiration, but it's also um, sort of like instant shocking things that can happen in the sign of Scorpio, where we see it's very soulful and we can see a lot of, again, it's almost like that Neptune Pisces energy with Scorpio. It's a water sign. Again, it goes with the flow, but it goes deep. Its emotions are really intense and it can pull that spiritual, that soulful information from past lives, perhaps travel on the astral plane, um, really be in touch with Uh, sometimes shamanic uh, energies and healing modalities and things like that. And it's just right there on an angle, very prominent in the seventh house. Um, It's almost like I'm I'm feeling like some magic kind of coming through there, like this magic touch that you have. Uh, It's also retrograde, which is why you've got that red text there. And so it's, it's pulling even more focus retrograde means it was closer to the earth. So Uranus was like much closer to the earth when you were born. And so you've got like a little extra electrical, magical energy in you to help other people.
1: Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I love that. <laughs> and I'm really grateful for my Saturn cancer because I do have, you know, the majority of my chart is masculine and it's cardinal and it's very fiery. So um I appreciate having like that softness of cancer that, that really balances that out. I feel like, because we need, we would need that kind of depth of energy to balance out so much of that cardinal masculinity that I have. And I also have, you know, if we're going to look at the next, um, uh, energy that I have is I also have more mutable. And so with so much Aries in my chart, I love that I do have the fluidity and flow with within me, instead of having a lot of fixed energy where I would, you know, maybe have more resistance to change or, you know, staying in that like fixed place of what I believe. And so I can actually move really easy, even though I have more of like that warrior, you know, go forward, initiate, make happen, passion, energy to my, to my chart.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and so for for those who might not be familiar with these terms, fire so we've got fire, air, earth, and water in our charts. The fire signs are Aries, uh, here over there, <laughs> we've got Leo, we've got Sagittarius, those are the fire signs, and so when you see these symbols in the fire houses, that that's the fire that we're talking about, and um, and then the mutable, we've got mutable, um, and we've got that cardinal energy too, um. And so we've got the mutable would be this axis here with Pisces and Virgo and Sagittarius and Gemini. And so when you see the symbols there, that's that mutable energy. But I think it's also interesting with um, you know you you talked about the fire and the mutable, but you do have and it's not uh, you know close by orb we'll say, but you've got this grand trine in water so a grand trine, a trine is like a 120 degree aspect and it's the most easy flowing, nice aspect. But when you have a trine, it's almost like a moat. It kind of like keeps things in. And we might not know we have this trine, which is magical and a blessing and abundance because it comes so easily to us. And so dealing with emotions, dealing with spirit, dealing with um, the collective consciousness and uh, that nurturing, caring energy and bringing it in from past lives is something that's really easy uh, in a chart like this. It's, it's a gift. It might not be easy, but it's a gift that, that this chart um, has been bestowed. So uh, yeah, if you, if you are interested in knowing if you've got a lot of fire or a lot of cardinal or a lot of mutable, that's something we can talk about. Uh, and it definitely does affect how you show up in the world when you've got a lot of fire, right? Like how, how do you feel about having a lot of, Uh, that cardinal fire in your chart.
1: Yeah. Well, not only that, but I also have a grand cardinal cross. And (laughs) yeah, so I'm very much an initiator. And, um, you know, one of the I guess lower frequencies of that, that I'm constantly working on is the follow-through. So I'm, you know, and this is, Aries are known for this. We're known for like having a lot of passion and a lot of great ideas and we move forward with it. Like we don't really have a filter. We just like plow ahead, we blaze. And then sometimes if we don't get the um, validation, if we don't get like the, the explosive reaction, to what we're doing, then we'll just kind of like the energy will peter out and we'll come up with something else. And so that's something that you really have to be aware of so that you can work on those energies of like, staying in the belief or staying in the course. And that is as now an online entrepreneur, which I've been doing for the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, that has been a major focus of um, this process for me is staying in the belief of what I'm here to do and what I'm here to change. Even if I'm not getting, you know, the quick response in business that we tend to you know, look for or want or need economically or financially, right? And so that has been something that I've been deeply working on as I share my message on a more global and collective scale, because I was keeping it one-on-one for so long. And that became really normalized for me. So I've been going through deep states of growth along with y'all in these last two or so years. um, And that's been part of it for me. Absolutely. Is really understanding um, the tendencies that come easily for the energies that dominate our charts And what are the lower frequencies in those tendencies or in those energies? And how can we actually raise those and be aware of them to hold them and, you know, create like more fluidity and transformation with them? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's really beautiful because the cardinal energy is what starts and initiates things. So it's like, you can really, especially with that fire, it's like, you know, light, you know, light, what's it called? Not a match. Um, the thing that lights a cigarette kind of thing, (laughs) like get your lighter, get your lighter and (laughs) let's go and just light it. I was Um, like, burn it down. (laughs) (laughs) There's that too. Um, but then after the Cardinal, (laughs) we've got this fixed energy, the fixed signs are Taurus. Scorpio, Leo, and Aquarius and the fixed signs, I, I don't really love that word, but it's like, they're the steady ones. They're the ones that like, kind of like pull us through. They're also the ones that like, don't really like to be like nudged to start stuff or like <laughs> necessarily like finish stuff. They're like, oh, I kind of like it how it is. Um, and then we've got that mutable that's like, okay, like let's transition and let like, like let's, let's keep it moving and, and, and move it along. And so you need those three different energies, but we all have our own gifts. We all have these, um, energies. And once, you know, like you're really good at being a starter or you're really good at like getting, lighting a fire under people, essentially, it's like, okay, let's go with that. Right. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. you Um, so That uh, grand cardinal cross that Laurie was talking about, we can see in the red lines that kind of form a square and then this straight line across the middle, that is what a cross would look like because it goes up and across. Um, And then the other prominent shape that we see in the middle, the aspect of how the planets look at one another is this triangle here, which we refer to as a T-square. And so, and we see a T-square, especially when it affects the nodes, we're looking at a lot of karma in this lifetime of what we're being asked to do. And you are being asked Mars to take action for this spiritual healing work that brings people together and really taps into how, how we relate to one another and, um, transcend the current state of things to make the world a better place. And I want us to show, cause I know I said, oh, well, you don't have a lot of fixed energy in your chart. Well, you actually have like, once we add in the asteroids, which is what this image does, you've got a ton of Pisces. We already knew you had a ton of Aries. You got you get a little bit more, but you also have like all of this Taurus energy. Because before you were talking about nature and I was like, oh, well, I can kind of see the nature and like Neptune in the eighth house. The eighth house is kind of like this transitionary space sometimes, especially when it's talking with the 12th house. We can see Uh, nature there, especially when we've got Pisces and Virgo involved, you don't have any um, Virgo placements, you don't have Virgo on an angle. Um, So it's like, hmm. but then when we add in the asteroids, which are the goddesses, you've got this goddess energy in nature. And so I would wonder if once you start things in order to kind of keep it going and like get to that next place, you're like, time to go for a walk or a hike or the beach Think about it a little bit, maybe use my hands a little bit. And then you come back to it and you're like, okay, here, ready to go out into the world, ready to finish up or something like that. Is that, does that relate to your process or, or is it anything like making sure I'm taking care of
1: myself and and treating myself in a good way or? Oh, Taylor, the soul care. <laughs> I mean, I am number one at soul care. I It's my lifestyle. It's my way of life. And that's why I share it so deeply in filling our cups up and being in that place of like balance and ease in our bodies. You know, I've for over 20 years, I help people take pain away. Like that has been such a driving force for me. But it's really interesting that you bring this Taurus in for a couple of reasons. So, um, there was a very special man that I was a colleague of mine and he was, um, his name was doc Arnold and he's, he's transcended his earthly body and he did the most incredible energy work. And this small town that I lived in, nobody understood what he did, but he took people's pain away. So they just like, wouldn't even question it right because <laughs> you know that's a much bigger motivator than fear is pain I feel like I mean I don't know if it's bigger sure but is. they're both big motivators yeah. and um so him and I would hang out and he would have these you know visions and messages and things and, and one day he said to me he was like oh my gosh I have the vision you're Eve you're like Eve in the garden of Adam and Eve and you have all these animals all over you I just got a yes so with my um With my intuition and the way that I do readings, I'm very clear sentient. And when I get a yes on something, my body has an immediate jolt and and an immediate feeling. And that always stuck with me. Um, And back then, you know, I went through various um, spaces with organized religion as I was, you know, raised in that um, environment. And so when he said Adam and Eve and the garden, my immediate like reaction was like, mm, that's very religious. But now I'm so at one with it because he saw the nature in me. He saw like me, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm naked. I'm in the garden. I'm in the forest and I have all the animals coming to me like we're converging. We're at one. And so now getting to your question, like, what's my process, which relates to my Mars and Pisces? Is as I've dropped deeper and deeper into my ascension and my multidimensional self, like my own psychic abilities and intuitive abilities, what I realized when I'm doing anything business wise, I used to try to push myself through things, which is very the masculine culture that we have, right? The grind, the hustle, the, you know, your worth is all the pro- productivity that you do. But what I realized is my Mars and Pisces really actually kind of likes to go slow and actually likes to complete things right before they're due. And so it doesn't really get me to initiate things early and have things done. But now that you're bringing in all of this Taurus energy, this goddess Taurus energy, what I've the process that I've now come become very comfortable with and very aligned with is anything that I do, I go out into nature to channel it and so as i've been able to shed and release the the programming of our systemic our our, our systems our institutional based culture as i've been able to shed that like that educational system of like, you have to go to school, get a degree to know what you're doing, and then you can get the job and then you become an expert. That's bullshit. Like, let's <laughs> let's blow that out of the water. Because now I realize like, we have so much knowledge within ourselves that it comes out as we like peel those layers off. It's, it's actually come in with us. It's in ourselves. And so when I go out into nature and I channel through my guides now, that's how I actually present my offerings. I don't do it by sitting with my head in books because that never worked for me. And I kept pushing myself in places of stress to try to make myself fit into that box. So I love that you brought that in, Taylor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And as you're talking, like you're like, oh, I got this jolt and that Uranus I was talking about before we just switched over to this chart, that is that divine download that I really see that as as psychic energy and channeling and things like that. And retrograde is pulling more focus there, right? It's in a very close trine to your Mars, and so there really is that connection between, you know, if you've got a war like Mars who's like wanting to move and stuff moving through water, which is Pisces, yeah, it is going to move a bit a bit slower for sure. Um, and in the twelfth house, it's like little sleepy, perhaps wants to just pull the covers over its head kind of a thing. But the fact that, um, you know, Mars is the ruler of this chart. And so it is important and does represent the self and the body in some ways. And and seeing that trine come in, that easy flow, that divine uh, information come through to the body in that way. Uh, and also it's, it's opposite. Scorpio is opposite uh, to Taurus. So it's looking at all of this goddess energy bringing it in in that way um yeah it's just so beautiful that Scorpio spirituality um and those messages there's really something there and uh, it's also really interesting because Vesta is the home so so it's like the home is related to Pisces and water somehow Um, you've got palace it's like I've got I'm really strategic so it's like Mars and palace together are kind of like the, the masculine warrior and the feminine warrior, the strategy and the one who's like got the muscle to move things forward. They're together there in Pisces. And then this goddess energy that you've got in Taurus is um, that really, I mean, we've got Sedna, then we've got Juno, Hygieia, and white moon Selena. And I think the interesting thing ones to look at here are Juno, who is the loyal wife, who is the partner. We've got Hygieia, which is kind of what it sounds like. It's that hygiene, the health, making sure we're taking care of ourselves and one another and white moon is where you shine. And so that story that you were telling about the doctor, and it's like, I just see you shining in this way. Um, So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So um, we've just done a whole lot in the chart. People's heads are probably spinning. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and take this down. But I just, I think it's really interesting if, you, um, if you're if you trying to figure out something about yourself and you don't see it and you want to pull up your chart or talk to an astrologer, add in those goddesses and, and see what happens to the chart. They definitely tell a really important story. Um, and so we're coming closer to the end of our time. And so, Lori, if people want to connect with you, they want to learn more about what you do, Where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, my moniker is the Raw and Wild Hearts. So anywhere you go, that's where you're going to find me. Uh, My website has all of my offerings on there, which includes this amazing upcoming Awakening Astrology Retreat with the intuitive astrologer Molly McCord. And it's going to be evergreen. It's going to be available after we do it live. Um, And we also have it available as a virtual retreat during the time. So make sure you check that out, especially if you're wanting to know more about astrology, because we're combining our superpowers of her sharing the personal planet astrology and me taking you into deep states of cellular transformation and trauma transformation while you embody the energies of what your natal chart has in those personal planets. It's going to be Absolutely incredible. But yeah, come on over to my YouTube. I do a lot of, as transits happen, I do a lot of intuitive messages with Oracle card pulls. And people have really been resonating with those. They've been very supportive because as an embodiment guide, and as you can see in my chart, I literally feel the energies that come onto the planet. And then I translate them for you in the messages that I have. And those are all free. So I've got lots of free and paid for offerings. My books will be open again in June to do personal readings. And I do digital courses. I mean, there's just, like I said, I do not niche down. I have so much to choose from. From and if you're vibing with the message that I'm sharing, like come destroy this fear culture with me.
0: Yes, so beautiful. Thank you, Lori. So head to the rawandwildhearts.com. You can find out more about Lori there, her podcast or offerings, like she said, and ways to follow and get in touch. Um, it has been such a privilege and a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your gifts. Uh, the work that you do is so important and so needed. Um, if anything about today um, and on the astrology side of things, either go to that retreat, check it out, it'll be awesome, or get in touch. My books are open. I offer consultations. I do group work and events as well. Uh, you can find me at taylorshuler.com or astrology.com on Instagram at taylorshulerastrology, uh, and on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Astrology. So Looking forward to staying connected with all of you. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, I've got links uh, below uh, or in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. And so we're so glad you could be with us here today. Thank you for your time. Take good care.
1: Bye y'all. Bye.